0: This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everyone. This is Tom, your host at Living Truth, and we are glad you're with us again. We have the awesome Michelle Jenkins with us today. And of course, we also have Jake Sanders with us. Uh, he's also awesome, amazing as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate yes. that. <laughs> so, So, yeah, you got two words, uh, so (laughs) I made up for my goof there.
1: (laughs) He's used to it. Yeah.
0: So, what we're going to be doing, I invited them to come just interact with me a little bit on Revelation 5. We went through Revelation chapter 2 and 3 on Sunday mornings, and two of you remember that, and those of you who attend New Hope remember that. We had a series of seven sermons on the seven letters to the seven churches. So... I was just intrigued to continue to do devotions and think and study in Revelation, and I got to Revelation 5, and I thought, this make a good podcast. And so, what we're going to do is, we're going to take a look at Revelation 5, and primarily answer the question that's stated in Revelation chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? So we'll come back to the context of that question. But just specifically asking the question, what is really worth giving our lives to when we're struggling with self-identity issues? How do we find an answer here in Revelation 5? Does that sound good to the two of you? Absolutely. I've
2: never really thought about identity in terms of Revelation. That's kind of a... uh, I've been reading a little bit about it Timothy Keller. I think I don't remember what the book is, Sense of God or something, and he's been talking about identity and just how it changes over time and how culture changes, so I'm looking forward to I'm exploring that.
0: Yeah, let's see what's here. And this is obviously a topic that could go lots of different directions and we could talk about a long time.
1: Absolutely.
2: So
0: Revelation chapter 4 is the context and the whole book of Revelation in The first part of Revelation 4, the Apostle John is told right after he's written these letters, after he's received these letters to the seven churches, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and a trumpet said, Come up here, and look, I'll show you what must take place after this. So we have a scene in heaven. And the rest of chapter 4 describes that scene. We have all these angels and these 24 elders and these angels are crying out, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole who was, who is, and who is to come. And then it says you are worthy our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things by your will they were created and have their being and John's talking about all these things he sees he talks about this rainbow he talks about this sea of glass and so this just absolutely glorious vision of heaven and he's seeing these things one after another and then we go over to Revelation chapter 5, because in Revelation 5, the worship that goes on in heaven continues, and it introduces us to the idea that we come before God in worship, and we worship his sovereignty, we worship the way he's created us, the way he's created everything, we worship him in his holiness, and his love. So, worship is essentially all of who we are, responding to all of who God is. And this is kind of the first touch point with identity. As we think about ourselves, as we reflect on ourselves, we reflect also on what we believe is true, on what we believe is true about reality, about what we believe is true about heaven, about who God is, and one of the first ways that we sort of out identity is by thinking about who God is is he good is he compassionate is he sovereign is he holy and what what do these things mean what do you think about that
2: would you be willing to explain a little bit more how how does what i think about god determine my identity
0: so If you think that God is disconnected from what's going on in your life, then you think everything is out of control, it's all up to me. And if you're being successful in life, if you're a student getting straight A's, look at me, look what I've done. Or, oh, I get a C or a B, I'm a failure. Mm. Um, Somebody in a marriage, Um, thinking that their marriage is dependent upon them performing for their mate, uh, serving their mate, instead of reflecting on I'm here because God's created me to serve my husband, to serve my wife, to love my husband, to love my wife, and just trying to, that's one of the ways, is just trying to do things on your own versus being in a relationship with God. Putting God first. Putting God first.
2: That yeah. that makes sense. I mean, I've, I've thought about it in terms of how you, what you think about God changes how you look at the world, but I guess it also changes how you look at yourself, how you value parts of yourself, how you interpret different things that Deeply. happen to you, and how you even feel like they did happen.
0: Exactly, and that's kind of part of why hmm. I went to Revelation 5 with this, is because I think the tendency for myself, for all of us, is to not see God in it is to, I mean, left left to our own selves in our our sinful self is that we exclude God. And when we come back to what is really true and include God, then it brings a whole new perspective on lots of things.
2: Not even just include, but bring him to the rightful center. (laughs) Exactly. Because that's something you see in Revelation that's just... Oh, we kind of stopped at the, like, it gets exciting after Revelation 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. confusing, but exciting.
1: Well, we forget, we sometimes just want to depend on God when things are bad, and we need, we want to pray, and we want everybody to pray for us. But when things are going just so-so and not, or going fantastic, we forget that God still has to be out there in front. And it's so easy just to get
0: trapped in that. Completely. So, Revelation 5 opens up and it says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. So, that's God the Father. And now, this is imagery. And so, we just have to keep that in mind that he's seeing all these things presented to him. God is beyond a throne. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how, that's the words that are used. But God is much bigger even than a throne and a scroll. And so, he sees him who sits on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. So, one of the questions comes up then, what is this scroll? And the scroll appears to be the prediction of what is to come. And we'll see the scroll, if you read through the rest of Revelation, the scroll is opened. And, it's significant that there's writing on both sides because normally a scroll would only have writing on one side it has to do with how they created scrolls. They're generally made out of papyrus with these strips of papyrus. And so they would write on the ones. So on one side, the strips would be running horizontally. On the other side of the scroll, they'd be running running vertically. And then they were pressed together and glued together. And so they would generally only write on the horizontal um, strips of papyrus, and then it would be rolled up about 30 feet long. Was about the most. Oof. Wow. But, but anyway, get writer's for that. <laughs> <laughs> Bookshelf so must but, have been uh, much bigger back then. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, says it's on a scroll with writing on both sides, and the significance of that is here is the full revelation, the full truth of what needs to be communicated. So that's just a little side Hmm. note on things here. Um, So as the scroll unrolls, you can follow Revelation through chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But when when the scroll first arrives, there's a problem. And that problem is stated, like I said earlier in Revelation chapter five, verse two, a mighty angel proclaims in a loud voice, who is worthy to break The seals and open the scroll but no one in heaven on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it And then John says I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside so going back to life's problems to identity issues to life purpose I'd like to just park here for a little while and think about the things that devastate us and that cause us to weep. Broken relationships, troubles among loved ones, troubles in relationships with friends, troubles in church, troubles that we have ourselves. And we come up against this brick wall of how do we resolve this? What do I do with this? And, you know, just thinking in my own life about things family-wise that lead to weeping and the state of the world and mm-hmm. the, just the, the brokenness that's here, the brokenness that we weep over and then asking that question, okay, so, so I'm broken, where, where do I find answers? And it goes to that question then of who is worthy to make all these things right? or as it's stated here, who's worthy to open the scroll? And then the question, what is a worthy way to spend my life? What what do I give my life to? What kinds of problems um, for you guys as you think about brokenness, about weeping, what kinds of problems come to your mind when you think about that in terms of responding to life's issues?
1: Well, obviously, coronavirus, mm-hmm. you know, is huge. Um, just the fact that we don't know when it's going to end or if it's ever going to end. You know, it's six months ago, we would have thought it was going to be a couple-month thing and we were going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And and even with the presidential election, the division, the I think what I miss for myself is just being able to have a conversation about politics. But you can't talk politics to anyone. no, Whether they're on... Your side or not your side, you, I mean, it's it's huge. It's, it's just an anger issue for everyone.
0: Yeah, it just and kind of sets people off. And it does. There's 50 different issues that can yeah. be taken in little different ways. Yeah, and know? it's
1: so sad yes. that you can't have an intelligent conversation or or the, the debate, you know, not even a debate, but to have a conversation with someone, it's not acceptable anymore, you know, because... Everybody's so passionate about what they believe, what they feel, that nobody else's feelings matter. Yes. And it's, that's been difficult to watch as everything has unfolded in the last, especially the last few months.
2: Yes. Maybe it's just like where we're at right now, but there's more of a feeling of hopelessness than I've felt before in a, in a while. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I don't know. And that's the question of who is worthy to take that on. It's a whole different question than who is able or
0: yes. who
2: should. Yes, know, that's a that's an interesting. This is the hardest part about being on the podcast is, I'm usually a processor, so I like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'll listen to something like that and I just get stuck yeah. on it and I don't have anything to say. To process it real fast, it, yeah. Like, right. but who is worthy to handle our issues? Who is who is worthy?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean the tears just flow mm-hmm. for all of us these yeah. days as we're trying to sort this out and. Politics is trying to give us answers to mm-hmm. these kinds of questions and well-meaning people try to give us answers and yeah. we seek wrong answers in wrong places.
2: Try and do it yeah. ourselves. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: I found myself even the other night, you know, praying over the teachers, you know, and the three teachers that I took, that Jerry and I took on, I found myself just like...
0: Took on to pray for. To pray support. for this, whole,
1: yeah. you, this yeah. whole, you know, school season. And I found myself just really weepy for them just sad just like this is not what they signed on for you know type thing and just like it became really emotional for both of us just praying for them and we're not teachers but it was emotional to to think about what they're going through
0: yeah i think that's a bit of what john was feeling that in the whole universe there's no natural answers Mm -hmm. or how to solve the sinful condition Mm -hmm. of the whole world
2: Hmm. i agree with that
0: yeah yeah pain Mm -hmm. sorrow alienation from god from one another loss Mm -hmm. yeah loss definitely so he's crying out he's asking this question and oh you remember isaiah when in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, uh, as he kind of saw a similar kind of vision, he says, I'm a man unclean. Mm -hmm. And he kind of had the same kind of experience of how is this going to be resolved? What's going to happen?
2: I can't even imagine. Like, because we have a a recording of what John saw, and John probably couldn't even completely understand what he saw in that moment, just being faced with the... The reality, I mean, I don't know a better way to say it, but like in the flesh of this is, I don't know, like a better understanding of how the world works than he could ever had before. I want would just be amazing and kind of, his response to that is very interesting, just overcome with emotion. and
0: Yeah, well, I mean, verse three says no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open the scroll, and then he wept and wept, and then, finally, there's one of the elders who speaks out and says, "Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll, and its seven seals." And you just kind of get the sense of yes, you know, you're cheering, <laughs> right, holding up <off> your <laughs> arms, yay,
1: right. You're like, woohoo! Here we go. <laughs> here comes Jesus. Yes,
2: that's one of those quick transitions of. Bad too. Okay, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A quick
0: yeah. yeah. Jesus, uh, in Genesis chapter 49, 9 through 10, is called the lion, predicted to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we know they would ultimately, from the human standpoint, be descended from the tribe of Judah. It's called the root of David. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 is another prophecy that the Messiah would ultimately come from the line of David and so in a sense it's fulfilling all of scripture, all of history from the fall to God's promise of restoration and it's saying hey time is now, time has come for that fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Next then says I saw a lamb and so We know from other places in scripture, we know that that lamb is Jesus, and there's an interesting description, looks as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures, the elders, he had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now we're used to seeing Jesus and understanding him as a lamb, but not usually with seven horns and seven eyes.
2: Does seem odd. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So again, these are picture words, and the seven horns have to do with, again, he's full. Um, The seven spirits have to do with the fact that he's full of the spirit. He comes in all of who he
2: is. So it's not necessarily that there's seven different spirits. It's seven's completeness, right? Seven is
0: completeness. In fact, in chapter 1 of Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold spirit, Mm -hmm. and there's some question about interpretation, but... My interpretation would be that that is just describing the fullness of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit and in that way that the number seven signifies that. And so I think, I think, again, that's what's being shown here.
2: So why is he, so it says the lion has triumphed, but then, so he's like kind of announced as a lion, but then comes in as a lamb. What's that kind of about? March. Uh. <laughs> no, no. Thank you. Is that April, March, right? Uh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah something I don't know. Like
0: that. <laughs> uh, uh, No. Uh, so I think, you know, again, John's just trying to describe something that's beyond him. Mm. And uh, these are the only words that he could use. Why that happens? Is there, he asking why that happens in that order?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seems weird. Like, I don't know. If I. If someone announced a lion was coming and it ended up being a lamb, that would feel interesting, but
0: yeah, um, would you (laughs) think that person was a little whacked out? A little bit, yeah, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, and I never quite understood the full significance of the seven eyes.
0: Yeah. So again, if you think of the number seven as completeness, right? And he's able to see everything, know everything, Uh, know what's going on. So. And that ties back into what we're talking about in terms of our identity and how we respond to God. Um, Hmm. God knows us. He knows all of who we are, inside, outside. He knows what goes on. And... I was just talking briefly with Pastor Ryan a little bit about this, too. That when we talk about the sovereignty of God, just making sure that we also include the compassion of God for us, that mm-hmm. He enters in. Yes, we can say He's in control. Yes, He certainly is. But it always comes in His care, in His concern, mm-hmm. in His working good for us. Mm-hmm.
2: I think of that passage that talks about. He cares for the sparrows. How much more does he care for us? that's a great
0: one. So Revelation chapter 5. So he takes the scroll. The four living creatures, the 24 elders, fall down before the lamb. Each one has a harp. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, the harps were not the kind of harps that we think of, like great big ones. Yeah, they were more like... Um, electric guitars. Uh, <laughs> it's a different picture. The electric ones. guitars of the day. Of the day, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. They were like small instruments that would oh, okay. be played quickly is what I'm saying. And so one of the other things that happens and uh, relates to how people think about reality is that people think that heaven is boring. Why do you think they think that? And... What do we
2: do with that? As someone who works with a fair amount of youth, (laughs) I think a lot of them think heaven is boring because church feels boring at times. Mm. Just when we're singing these songs, I don't know. And when someone talks for half an hour and I'm just hungry or whatnot. And, I don't know. I don't think am people gonna change. Am I going to have my video game? Am going to have my, <laughs> yeah. uh, have uh, my uh, cell phone and in heaven? be honest, people don't change much after high school. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get better at pretending, but I mean, you get older and it's, oh, then the football game's on or oh, right. I want to be camping this weekend or I want to oh, be doing man, this weekend. Oh, man, I'm going to be week. back to weeping right
1: here. <laughs> 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 But some of it, I think we just, you know, you portray heaven as just this restful place. And it's like, for someone like me, it's like, okay, well, I rested. Now what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, what 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 are we gonna do after we rest? <laughs> Is it gonna be dinner? Or you know, what I mean.
0: Yeah, and people I've heard who don't like singing or can't sing well, they say, D- I don't want to sing through all of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> do do? Yeah.
1: Just like see, I could, <laughs> not well, but I
0: could.
2: Yeah one big long hymn sing, but in Hebrew. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) again, I think
0: it's part of it is that the descriptions here are beyond us, and Mm -hmm. we just have to think about whatever we know as the fullness of fullness, whatever is the best of the best is being described. And so... Is there singing? Well, that's the way it's translated, Um, certainly worship, there's certainly the elevation of God as God and Jesus' death on the cross for our sins Mm -hmm. as being the best of the best, but that's incorporated into reality, whatever we're experiencing here on earth doesn't measure up to what is heavenly reality and we we tend to get that kind of mixed up here on earth.
2: Yeah, we just have such a small picture of what it'll be like that way. Yeah,
0: we? yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. I, I'm not into video games, uh, but um, if somebody's into video games, you got to think of the best video game ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> the best golf course <laughs> ever. Yeah, there we go. Maybe? Perfect. Yeah, I mean, best golf course you ever. Know, yeah. suppose there's a campground up there.
0: I mean, <laughs> exactly. Back in verse nine, then we have the worship that goes on. You're worthy. So there's that statement, and you're worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals. Why? It says, because you were slain. With your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So for me, this is a worthy purpose, a worthy vision. It's part of why I'm involved in going to other nations, in teaching pastors and leaders is it's big enough, it's a big vision, it's people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And then additionally, those that he has bought with his blood, those who do come into his family, he says he makes us to be a kingdom. He makes us to be priests, to serve our God. That is, we're able to come close to God. We're able to be with God. And then he talks about reigning on earth, whatever that means. I don't know. It means maybe managing up a small part of heaven. I don't I don't know.
2: Yeah, there's that's a always, lot there. There's always that's always been something that's confused me, the rain part. But uh the, there is beauty in the people from every tribes and language and people and nations. Like I just that's something that does really excite me about heaven is just witnessing what that will be like with that many believers across hundreds of th- and thousands of years, like with different stories that we get to hear. And I don't know, I, I'm projecting a little bit, but I'd like to think that we get to hear how people worshiped and glorified God. And
0: No, I think that's a right... Projection. Oh, yeah. I like the idea of stories. I think, yeah, I mean, there is something mm-hmm. about hearing people's stories that we can continue to hear over and over again. Yes, yeah. Michelle? Well, I just,
1: I think the fact of not having to worry about time. You know, everything we do in a day is based Oof. on getting here for this time and this time and this time and being on time. And, oh, goodness, dinner's got to be promptly at 6. I think of heaven as there's no clocks, and there's no reason to uh, be on time for anything.
0: Very no stressful. reason to be on time. <laughs> I what, think you, what are you going to rush to? Probably always be on time, Michelle.
1: Well, yeah, but what are you going to rush to? I mean,
2: as someone who the consistently, buffet line's just
1: going to be open all the time, right? I mean,
2: as someone who consistently shows up ten minutes early, like oh, I don't know what to do with that. I've never thought about that aspect before. <laughs> it's going to make you nervous. Yeah, it? I like I, I but started fidgeting already. But you like, won't be nervous. <laughs> no, and so <laughs> huh.
0: so it continues on, and then. Verse 11, I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands, encircling the throne, living creatures and the elders. And then again in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And so I think of different large conferences that I've been to with 30, 40, 50,000 people Mm -hmm. and just the kind of worship that took place there and now that'd be cool yeah yeah
1: that would be really neat i'd I'd enjoy that on a daily basis
0: (laughs) yeah that goes on every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne to the lamb be praise honor and glory and power forever and ever the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped yeah Mm -hmm. think
1: about how uplifting that would be to spend the rest of your life you know doing that i mean that'd be cool Mm
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah so that's kind of all I had. What other kind of questions or comments you guys have?
2: I think my biggest takeaway is just the question of who is worthy i've right. I've always thought about like my obviously I'm selfish like we I think we all are to a certain extent. so my questions when it comes to my problems is okay, who can take care of this for me? Who's going to do the best job? Yeah. And sometimes in my own mind, I don't think it's God because I don't like the way he's doing it. But, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, well, <laughs> Michelle, I don't look at me like that. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know you've a, been there. That's a real <laughs> struggle. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, no I, no, I would do this differently. And I tried, and it didn't work well at all. But who is worthy of handling what I'm facing? I mean, and so my brother passed, and it will be, I think, the 11th or Twelfth anniversary of his passing. What day? Um, tomorrow, oh. um, I think tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something he showed me, and that was he is worthy of being leaned on, mm. in that, and so it, for me, it's big. It's easy to do that on big things, but when it comes to the day to day, I don't do as well. Yeah. And he's right. just as worthy, then, way more worthy than I am to take care of anything because he's sovereign. He's compassionate. Right.
1: And well, well, even at the age of fifty six. I can't say that I lean on him on everything, Mm -hmm. but then I do get this, oh, duh, you don't (laughs) need to do that on your own. Mm -hmm. Give it to God. You know, and, and I used to, when I was like your age, I used to be frustrated when people would say, give it to God. That always made me kind of like, no, you give it (laughs) to God. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep it for myself. But if you can truly get to that point in your life where you can really say, all right, God, I know you got this. I know you own it give me my path, show me my direction and let him have it. It is
2: sometimes the only choice one altering. step at a time. too. I know oh, yeah. I, it's not
1: as quick as you want. Uh, you know? No, I'm a speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> I want answers now, you know? And yeah, so it's, it is painful, but you learn so much along the way that it makes it all worth it. I mean, if you can just truly sit back and I mean, cause I even think about like the, the night that my mom passed away. One of the things I was just, God, don't take her yet. Don't take her yet. And within a matter of a few hours, it was like, God, just take her home peacefully then. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? But God put that on my heart. Mm-hmm. I was not angry. I wasn't mad. I was I was ready to let her go because she was ready. Yeah. You know I mean? So it, in a matter of moments, God can change your heart and make you just redirect all that. And that's because he is worthy of taking all of it, mm-hmm. not just the parts that we want to give. Mm-hmm. So... And I still don't get it right at this age.
0: (laughs) That's why it's daily growth. It is. And God's grace, we just want to get everything perfected. And he's saying, my grace is sufficient for this day and tomorrow and the Mm -hmm. next day and the next day, all the way into eternity. Thank God. Amen.
1: Yeah. For sure. Amen. Love it.